When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, Anderson, thank you very much. Hey, everybody, I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Tonight, my opinion, not a night to talk about who won. The only clear outcome is that you lost. Now, partisans can spend their time comparing who was worse and why or who was better and Biden was this. No, just focus on what's obvious. Trump won't debate. He refuses to be tested. He will not make a case to you. He intentionally wants you to quit on this process if you're not for him. He doesn't want you to hear anyone else, to compare plans, or to do any kind of fair comparison. Bottom line, he does not want to debate. He wants to debase words that are one letter different, but a world apart. Trump thinks he looks better when he makes everyone and everything else look bad. So what does he do? Well, you watched it, right? Cheapen the event, the moderator, the opponent, and most of all, the legitimacy of that forum. It's absurd. It's a joke. Don't even pay attention and forget about the election. Make it all terrible. Trash your expectations of anything legitimate, anything better. Proof. Tell me one positive thing he said about the future of this country last night. Tell me one message he had about how great we will be and why and how. I submit to you it is the first time you've ever had an incumbent sell you on his reelection by saying, vote for me. The other guy is worse. Usually the metric is, you're better off than you were four years ago. He can't play that. So he has to say, as bad off as we are, Biden would make it worse. As little as you think of me, think less of him. Now, I think the only part that really mattered last night was the one time the president was measured. What was that about? His false premise that absentee ballots are rigged and that bad things may happen. And in relaying that fate, he was very gentle with his worst followers, white hate groups, specifically the Gateway Crew, the Proud Boys. Today, he said, I don't know who the Proud Boys are. You know, like he did with David Duke of the KKK, like he did about what happened in Charlottesville, like he did with those gun-toting goons in Michigan fighting masks. He doesn't know the immigrants either, the ones seeking a better life. He's no problem telling them all to go to hell. But with these guys, he gave the Proud Boys reason to be proud. Stand back and stand by. They liked it so much, they put it on a t-shirt. Why? Because he needs them as part of this president's win or bust plan. Literally, the election goes his way or else. They're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found him in creeks. Are you counting on the Supreme Court, including a Justice Barrett, to settle any dispute? Yeah, I, th I think I'm counting on them to look at the ballots, definitely. They're being sold. They're being dumped in rivers. 
This is a horrible thing for our country. There is no. This is not. There is no. This is not going to. I'm go urging first. my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. We have poll watchers, but what's he really asking? Is he really asking white hate groups to monitor the polls? Is that why he was so gentle? Is that why he said stand back but stand by? Or is it more Trump trash? No. Nope. Don't look at it that way, says our first guest. Tom Friedman writes in his latest New York Times column, quote, our democracy is in terrible danger, more danger than it has been since the world, uh, the Civil War, more danger than after Pearl Harbor, more danger than during the Cuban Missile Crisis and more danger than during Watergate. Why? Isn't this guy just all hot talk? Tom Friedman, welcome back to primetime. Why do you take him so seriously when apocalyptic suggestions of anything but his success are common for him. Well, Chris, we're seeing something we've never seen before in our history, and it is the greatest voter suppression um, uh, enterprise ever mounted in this country, led by the president of the United States. He is basically telling us every day now, in every way, and in that debate that 73 million Americans watched, that one of two things are going to happen on November 3rd, And one of them is not Joe Biden being elected. Either I am going to be elected by a majority of votes cast that day, or I'm going to delegitimize this election. He is laying the basis for the delegitimization of any election that does not return him to office so it can be thrown into the Supreme Court or the House of Representatives. We have never seen this before out of any president. It is the greatest voter suppression effort ever mounted in this country. And it's going to have huge, it's already having huge ramifications. Already Democrats are going to feel if they lose, it's because he basically suppressed the vote and got people to not vote by mail. So they stayed home because they feared for their lives in a pandemic. Or if he wins, um, that, that if he wins, that, that that's, the Democrats will be aggrieved. And if he loses, his own voters will insist it was all because of mail-in fraud. We are going to not maybe have a contested election. He has set it up for a illegitimate election. And we are not going to be able to legitimately transfer power. And remember, Chris, when we had this in 2000, we had Al Gore there. It was a question of chads in Florida. And Al Gore took a bullet for the country by abiding by the Supreme Court decision. Donald Trump will put a bullet into the country before he abides by any Supreme Court decision that goes against him. This is the most dangerous thing I have ever seen in America. You don't believe that if it got to the, one step backwards. Do you believe he can throw the election into Congress or bypass the results as uh, expressed by the secretaries of state and the electors of each state? Look, I'm sure there's all kinds of ways he can do this um, by. I'm not so sure, Tom. That's why I'm asking. Well, well, you know, by, the system well, gets bigger than the president fast. That, by, by declaring victory that night and then claiming that um, any votes that come in days or uh, the week after uh, have been uh, delegitimized and then mm-hmm. unleashing an army, basically, of lawyers uh, to make his case and muddy the waters. Um, uh, if, if, why is it if different had, than 2000? We had that happen. Think, it was one I, state in Florida. Right, one state. The Supreme Court says it. Trump right. says no. How does that work? Right. This will be all 50 states. Right. 
Uh, and uh, God knows what happens, what kind of violence he can unleash by his supporters. Um, uh, they might not even abide, if the Supreme Court even rules against him, I'm not sure what his supporters would do. I have one fervent wish right now, Chris, and that is for the next national debate. 73 million people watch that debate. Here's what the Presidential Commission on Debates owes us. Begin the debate with 10 minutes of instruction by an independent election expert about how you vote legally by mail, why it is legal, why it is possible, why it is legitimate, and here's how you do that. The uh, Presidential Commission on Debates owes us that. Otherwise, they are complicit in giving a platform for this president to pollute this election. Now, one of the reasons that you know, Tom Friedman is not an alarmist, why? Well, history, uh, covering Lebanon's second civil war, uh, see things happen in otherwise fairly stable, understood democracies. Uh, does this really smack of that for you, Tom? You know, Chris, can I tell you a joke? This is a joke about Syrian elections. Um, uh, we, we all could use one. So this is a joke they used to say about Syrian elections. There was an election in Syria, and President Hafez al-Assad won 97.8% of the vote. And um, uh, his aides came to him and said, Mr. President, you won 97.8% of the vote. It means only 2.2% of Syrians didn't vote for you. What more could you ask for? And Assad said, their names. Okay, that's what this election rem is starting to remind me of. Elections that I've seen in the Middle East, in countries that are run by autocrats. Chris, this is not maybe. This man is laying the basis to delegitimize this election. If I win, I won. If the other guy wins, he didn't win. And we are going to either go to the streets, we're going to go to the courts, we are going to muddy the outcome in a way that we will not be able to have a legitimate, peaceful transfer of power. And he's doing this despite the fact that Chris Ray, the head of the FBI, reported last week that there has been no such delegitimization of mail-in ballots in this country ever. He said... Uh when, they, when that was kind of paraphrased for him last night by Wallace, he said, well, then he's wrong. Do you think the GOP would go along with this? Boy, you know, I mean... Um, That's a $750 question right there. Yeah. I'd like to think that there are many Republicans who would not go along with this. In fact, I believe there are many who will not go along with this. I don't think the whole party um, has become uh, so corrupt that it will... Uh, go along with this enterprise. But how many? I don't know. And the kind of intimidation that he's already unleashed. Fairfax, Virginia, last Saturday, mm -hmm. we had Trump supporters out there heckling yep. fellow Virginia citizens who were doing, exercising their constitutional right to vote early. So, you know, I, I think we cannot rule anything out. Um, well, uh, we got Ted Cruz coming up. Uh, he would certainly be a voice people would be listening to. Let's see what he puts this proposition to in terms of what it means as a matter of principle. Tom Friedman, thank you for the perspective. Thank you for the warning. And thank you for being on primetime. Pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Tom, as you know, a best-selling author, From Beirut to Jerusalem, a decent read for right now. Heavy read, deep. He researched the hell out of that book, but a good read.
and worthy if you want to understand the context. We aren't going it alone here. A lot of things that are happening here have happened other places before. Worth the lesson, my opinion. Only chance of getting Trump to be anything other than who he is, who he was last night, would be what we were just talking about. Republicans. The people he needs have to stand up. But they, like the Proud Boys, are standing back, standing by. Why? Let's ask one of the most prominent Republicans on the Hill, a one-time staunch Trump opponent, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, here next. tough questions we're struggling with is why do so many in this president's party stand by him when he says things they would condemn in anyone else, that they would never say themselves, even as he tries to undermine the legitimacy of our election? Why don't they all say, Mr. President, denounce the Proud Boys and do it now? Let's ask a man with a reputation for great smarts and at one time great truth about Trump. Republican Senator Ted Cruz, Texas, out with a new book, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change history. Senator Cruz, welcome. I finally got a way for you to talk to me instead of tweeting about me. Give you a chance to sell your book. Welcome. Well, Chris, good evening. Good to be with you. The book, The Central Thought, one vote, one seat, one judge can make a big difference. So can one voice speaking truth to power, especially when it resonates like your own. Will you be that voice? Will you say playing nice with the Proud Boys is wrong? Well, listen, I've condemned the Proud Boys long ago. I think white supremacists, Klansmen, Nazis are ignorant, bigoted morons. Um, I also think that, that, that the American people care about the Constitution and Bill of Rights. They care about the Supreme Court. It was a big reason the president was elected. Mm. It was a big reason we have a Republican majority. And, and I think this vacancy on the court, it's the reason I wrote this book that was released just this week, because it focuses on the, the rights that, 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 that are precious to so many of us, free speech, religious liberty, right. the Second Amendment, and, and, and how, how all of them re- really hang in the balance at the court. And I think that issue matters enormously. And, and, and for me, it's the most compelling issue. Absolutely. Now, I will exercise my right uh, and say, was the president wrong to go soft on the Proud Boys in the debate last night? Oh, look, I, I, I wish he had been much clearer in his denunciation. I was glad today that he, he walked that back. And, no, and, he didn't. And he, I, look, I'm, I'm glad that he sought to walk it back. I'm glad his campaign sought to walk it back. But, but let me be clear also, the, the press is completely hypocritical on this issue. Really? Um, the, 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 the press is partisan in this regard. So 10 years ago, mm. 2010, Joe Biden gave a eulogy for Robert Byrd, who was mm-hmm. a crand cyclops right. of the KKK. Yeah. That's 10 years ago. You're really going to go with that? Oh, yeah. You I know you're a master it. debater, and uh, uh, Professor Dershowitz tells me that, you were the that, starters, that, smartest student he ever had at Harvard Law. You're going to go with that weak-ass argument here? Byrd, who had a complete enlightenment about how hate was wrong, who changed his life, who spoke about it, Chris, who changed Chris, have his you ever ways. eulogized a Klansman? I have I'll, I'll give you another example. No, 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 hold on. That's your example. That's your example. You're going to no, use No, I'll that. give you another one. Gonna, well, I, I give hold you a on. lot of examples. But hold on, because I don't want you to run away from the premise, Senator. I'm not you, but I'm not a fool either. He did it in Charlottesville. He did it with David Duke. The old Ted Cruz, who he called Lion Ted when he wasn't insulting your wife and your father, tweeted, hey, you're better than this, Mr. President. What happened to that Ted? I don't know if he changed or did just you change for some reason, <laughs> Senator. 
Chris, you know, you know I'm, I'm glad you, you, you take tips uh, on, on insults from, from, from other folks. Really? Look, Am I insulting oh, you, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, so? oh, yeah, you are. And, and, so? and you're enjoying it. That's, that's I am fine. not enjoying you know, it you know, at all. Chris, I'm not enjoying Chris, anything about this except having an opportunity for you to say the right thing at the right time. Chris, there was a time when CNN actually cared about being journalistic and talking about oh. facts. Donald Trump broke you guys. I mean, you're just really? your entire show, your entire network now is just how much you hate Trump. And, and really? you, you know what? I, I think a lot of people like are interested in, you know, you said in your opening, it was very interesting. You said the, the president didn't say anything positive about the country. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought the most important moment in the debate last night was when the president made very clear that, that, that Joe Biden's policy agenda is shutting down the country, shutting down small businesses and shutting down schools. And our priority needs to be opening up the economy, bringing jobs back, getting kids back in school. And that's a very different policy agenda. We have had an enormous economic impact from this pandemic. We need to restart the economy. And I think the president and, and Joe Biden have very different visions. Joe Biden's policies, I think, don't work and hurt a whole lot of people. And when I'm back in Texas, people in Texas don't understand why the press is just like the only thing you talk about is how much you hate the president. Ted, I get Ted, the president's Senator, not your friend. When you Fine. were in the campaign, do you want me to read through some of the things you said about Donald Trump? You want to talk about somebody who had a chance to talk about policy, but just stuck with a person? Nobody did it more than you did. That's why he gave you the nickname he did and beat you down with it. The idea that you're going to put that on the media. My brother, you are the guy who went on Twitter talking about my naked ass, but you won't tell him when he's being an ass. So why would you put it on me? Chris, I, fine. You hate the president. I, I do not you, hate you, you the president. We, you are too smart to say something that Chris, stupid. Chris, I respect we, him we, as we, president. I want better for this country. And frankly, I want you to speak to that as well. You can't right, say Chris, that they have a policy difference Chris, over closing down the country. Please don't interrupt every sentence. The president you're behaving. I, you know, I, I get that you want to interrupt every sentence, but 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 you're behaving like you were one of the debaters last night. It, it, we can have a respectful conversation and, and speak speak to each other civilly. Senator, or you just yell at me. How many times have I yeah. invited you on the show? Um, well, I remember one time you you tweeted out, "Cruz is dodging twenty my times." Show. Literally, while I was on Fox, is I that, was on Fox and yeah. Friends. You had invited me. Yeah. You attacked me, and by the way, I did a 15 minute interview with CNN. That I didn't day attack that CNN you. Didn't I asked you to come on the show. And you Chris, said, I just did Chris, one with Chris, CNN. Every Chris, show you, you, is you different. You literally put me on the screen and said, Ted is afraid to come on. And you invited me while I was on Fox. I mean, it was, I, look. 20 let's times I've invited you. Let's actually talk about substance. I, 20 I times. Your list, Chris. You're here right I, now because I want right to give now. you a chance to speak. Chris, I'm, I'm here right now. So let's actually talk about Good. substance. Good. Why do I care? And let's. Because last night, you say the most important thing was when he talked about the timing of who shut down the economy uh, and when, which was no, always no, not his, the timing. Which was his what choice. the solution is right now, 51 million Americans have lost their job. Right. They want to go back to work. Small right. businesses want to open up. Restaurants yes. want to open up. They should. Movie theaters want to open they up. They should. People want to be able to provide for their families. They should. Moms want their kids to go back to school. Yes. And, dads and Joe too. Biden and the Democrats dads too. are you know, responsible dads care about for the shutdown. Not just moms. Dads care too. And you know uh, why absolutely. it can't happen? And you know why it was wrong for him to tell your governor he was doing the right thing when he wasn't and he had to learn the hard way? Same in Georgia, same in Florida. Testing, Ted. Testing. Uh, look, testing, I, Ted. I am a huge proponent of testing. But the federal testing, government but, has but not be been there, and the president clear. has slow walked I, I, I it, get, Go ahead. Chris, I get that your show wants to attack Texas and Florida and Georgia because they have Republican governors. 
we have also had much, much lower death rates than many other parts of the country. And, 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 and it's, it's political, the attacks you're making. I, I think what we should be focused on, yes, testing. I'm a big proponent of testing. We need to do more testing. Right, why don't but we? But we need people to go back to work. Why don't we? And, and why don't we do the testing so people can go back to work? Why don't we do the testing so kids can go to school? Well, I'll tell you, I've introduced actually legislation that, uh, in, the, in the Senate to create a tax credit for employers to test their employees what happened on a it? weekly basis. Why haven't you guys voted on it? Uh, well, the Democrats are blocking voting on everything. They've filibustered legislation multiple times. I, I don't think either Pelosi or Schumer actually want anything to pass. Mm. Are they, did they read Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, by the way, have I, they tried that one yet or no? They're saving that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, right. Do, do you actually want to talk substance? Or, or, <laughs> we are or talking insults? substance. I just like to call out the hypocrisy when it's there because uh, the I, audience heads stay on straight that way because they're not I, like, I, wait, I, this is the green eggs and ham guy. Is he talking about filibustering? You know, that's what this show is. <laughs> but I have to tell you to cheapen it by saying mm. I want to take political shots about COVID. You know, I had it. You know, my wife had it. You know, my kid had it. You know, I network with people all over this country who are still suffering with it. You know, I hate that kids aren't in school or your staff should have told you. I talk about it every night. It couldn't be less political for me. I don't want people to Except, get sick. Chris, and if they tested more, Republican Ted, they'd be better. Governors. And let me say something. There is something disgusting that Democrats are doing, that mm -hmm. Joe Biden does, and that you do, which is mm -hmm. you try to blame the, the, the people who've lost their lives mm -hmm. on your political enemies. And, and, and that's just no. not right. It, it, it's, no. it's not right I'm at all. I'm saying that when and you hear, two, when you hear 200,000 right. people die, you don't say it is what it is. I'm saying that when, but, but you, know when what? you could it's have slowed it down not and you right, didn't, Chris, you when your it. brother has presided over the state mm -hmm. with the highest death rate in the country. And I know your brother didn't want those oh, people no. to lose their lives, but you oh. shouldn't oh, play well, politics good. with So you attack. don't think he intentionally killed them? That's good. That's no, very of charitable course of you, Ted. Not. Of course not. But I do think we can have a very reasonable policy discussion about the policy mistakes in New York and New Jersey of sending COVID positive patients into nursing homes. Mm. I think that was a that very serious all over the policy country, mistake. Right? That wasn't uh, no, the it most didn't happen vulnerable in Texas. population. It's one of the reasons why you're, the death rate in New York is four times the death rate in Texas. Texas. the place where the governor was, said that you didn't need to test and you didn't need masks, right? Okay, and the president that, that, gave him a pat on the head. That's just a complete fabrication. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we test a lot. I've been tested The, 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 the same governor times. who said we didn't need to shut down, go out, and then he had to turn around and do it differently because cases popped all over the place. That guy? Is that what Chris, you're talking about? Was it a mistake, or is that too political? Was it a mistake when your brother implemented a policy that nursing homes had to accept COVID positive patients and endangered the lives of my tens brother of was the first one to say that there a was a learning curve and that mistakes were made and they changed things as soon as they could. Well, but then now, don't look, be a hypocrite I could write about that it. Off then, then, as a political then don't claim, attack, right? And, I could and, ask and you. I'm, I could ask look, you questions look, about only things that have to do with your family, but I'm not going to do that because the general Chris, propositions Chris, matter more. Chris, I'm actually talking about public policy that was a serious mistake. And, but but and testing is not is public pandemic. policy? Testing is Chris, not public please, policy. I'm not interrupting you. Let me actually get a sentence without interrupting I think me. you've gotten many, sir. I'll show you the tabulation of who spoke and how much I, in the segment later. Go ahead. Chris. Yes, sir. This pandemic has been an enormous challenge mm. across the country. I, I think... Democrats and Republicans are trying in good faith to keep people safe. But I think we can also have reasonable policy discussions about what works, A, to keep people safe, but B, to get people back to work. And I think people want to go back to work. You know, this week, Disney announced 28,000 layoffs. Now, Disney is not American a right-wing co company. They're, they're a very liberal Airlines company. But what's interesting about Disney, what is interesting about Disney mm -hmm. is they're doing the layoffs in California because California shut down the theme park. They're not doing the lay layoffs in Florida because Florida opened Disney World. I mean, it, it's a clear contrast 
where Democratic politicians so you're in California that, have shut so, it down so and they've laying cost off people, the people, people where their they're jobs. out of business and not the place that they're in business. And you're saying that's political. No, I'm saying the oh, policies of Democrats to shut the economy down are bad co- policies that hurt people's lives. What do you and do the when people are getting are the sick? Ter- what do you do when people are getting sick, Senator, and you can't well, test you them? You don't send them and they don't wear masks, homes. and you tell you them not to. You don't send them into nursing homes. Oh, so so the nursing homes was the sum total of the entire problem in the country. That's what well, it was. It, it, it led Seven to New million York cases. having 33,000 deaths compared to Texas having 15,000 deaths. And Texas has 50 percent more population than New York does. And what about all the cases that they had? And how so many people got be, sick by be, the refusal to shut down businesses? You say you, know you want to open them up, but you won't discuss how. You say you introduced objective. a bill, but you won't talk about the president and his failure. The testing has to be done at the federal level, Ted. You know this. Well, you understand I, a little bit about state economics. You know the governor can't do it himself, right? Well, actually, governors have taken the lead and have had gr- much greater success. Texas' record on every They've level is much, to. much better than New York and New Jersey and That's Massachusetts not true. Look at New York's Pennsylvania. numbers. Look at the rate every day of testing. My brother puts it out every day. They were the hub of where people were coming. You guys want to celebrate China. You let in 40,000 people. It had already moved to Europe. So, so Chris, you let in tens of thousand people. They went to the hubs. That's why we got so sick. Does it trouble you at all that New York and New Jersey had the highest death rates in the country? Does that that make you pause and say, God? It troubles me, Ted. And to watch guys like you stand by and stroke your beard like a wise man instead of telling the president to get on it when you have power. How about tell your brother to get on it? My brother will stand for his own record. Why don't you talk to the president the way you talk to my brother, Ted? You afraid of him? You think he'll smack you down at home? Oh, is that yeah. what it is? I'm like he shut you up in the, of the Cuomos. You, you guys not are the really Cuomos. tough. I'm talking about the president. My brother's not the president. I'm talking about the president. The one who called you a liar. The one who said your wife me, was ugly. That guy. You know, the guy now who you won't say anything I, I, about. I, I recognize that you like it. You actually wonder why you don't have a lot of Republicans that want to come on your show. I have more than any other show. And yell at me and insult. I'm not, insult I'm me. not yelling at you. And, and I'm raising fine. my voice to match your own because you, you want to you play games, at me Ted, and, and people that's okay. are dying. That, 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 that's OK, Chris. I, you're perfectly fine to scream and yell because you know what? Oh, but you don't. You're doing it because you don't want to discuss the substance. Like, I had you, I, you invited to me on the things. show to actually talk about the Supreme Court and talk about the book One Vote Away. And, and instead, you just want to repeat insults over and over and over again. Oh, but like, you're not. Actually talk about you just bring up my brother for, for half the interview because you're such a fair guy. Well, you play no, it so you, straight you, down you, the middle. You were, ju- right? you were just playing in a biased way, attacking Because the president's Texas, not Florida, at the top Georgia, of the food chain. Coincidentally, happen to be Republican states when, when the death rates, they are markedly worse. And we should ask, when the death rates are markedly worse, worse in some states than others, we should ask a reasonable question. Yeah. Where the Why didn't the president help sooner? Were the That's the question. That Why didn't the that? president and, help sooner? And, and, Why didn't and he help the, way, the places ask, that right, got you hit talk hardest about the president specifically, when they were all talk about Democratic. The president specifically? Was it the right decision or the wrong decision when the president halted air travel into and out of China? Right, tr- right and, decision. Should have done it sooner and should have not let 40,000 people repatriate. Next question. Okay. Okay. So I agree with you on that. I called for him to do it the day before he did it. But Joe Biden denounced it as racist and xenophobic. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. And Nancy Pelosi brought up a a vote in the House for Democrats to to stop the ban. I'll bet you dinner. That Biden didn't say that. You were right about Pelosi, he, he, he and it was a bad did. move. You're wrong. He, he most You're right about Pelosi, and, 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 and it was and by a the bad way, move. And, 
And and by by the way, Chris, you know your colleagues at CNN. This mm -hmm. is sort of the the, the talking point. I I, I mm -hmm. with with Jake Tapper actually read the Biden tweet to him. I don't have it in front of me right now, but but. He denounced it as racist and xenophobic. The New York Times, who you just had Tom Friedman on, had multiple articles saying, saying it was a mistake. It was terrible to halt air travel into and out of China. Well, you heard what I just said, I can right? tell you I chaired a hearing in the Do Senate you hear what I just said? where the expert... You, so you said... That, I agree with you now, yeah, but you know what? Now? The Democratic I've only said Party this. didn't say it then. I'm not the part of the party. party Let me ask you one other then. thing while I have you that I think is almost as important as what you say about when we're shutting down and when we didn't, because that's in the past. What the president said about the election... Senator, seriously now, I'm happy to joust, uh, but not when it's existential, okay? Uh, that's why I come at you about the pandemic, because for me, I don't play politics with it. I'm a little insulted by that, but I'll make you it. You don't play politics. You I'll just own, make, only attack Republicans over it. But you're not playing politics. I have Republicans on to be all the time who no, no, are no, willing to come back you attack, all the time. You attack Texas, Florida, and Georgia. No. Are there, is there anything similar states, about those states? Please, Senator, you sound silly. I talk about people and how they're struck in those states all the time. I care about them and I want them to be better and I don't want them to be sick you, you and go through what I did. So you, that's you, you why. Want them I do to be it with Democrats, Democrats too. I do no, it with no, them too. No, Anybody look, who's look, not you, doing the right thing when it comes you, to, you, I talk about the, you, the kids in class as a national problem. But let me ask you this. The president has been hinting very strongly that if the election doesn't go his way, it will have to have been fraudulent. And you just heard Tom Friedman and his concerns if your state and the other states certified their results, as they always do, and say, no, this is it, our count's legit. We'll check as the law allows, but it's legit. And the president says, no, not good enough for me. I don't want a transfer of power. What would you do? So that's not going to happen. There's going to be a peaceful transfer of power. But, but let me say something. I wish that the two political sides actually had conversations where we listened to each other. I have to admit, it, it was surreal listening to you and Tom Friedman talking about what, what you think Trump is going to do on the election, because from my perspective, I, I think it's projection. I think the one that is going to challenge the election in all likelihood is Joe Biden. Biden Hillary said last Clinton night told, he'd accept the results. But, but Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden, under no circumstances should you concede defeat. And, and not only that, you know, said. it's interesting, Tom Friedman talked about Bush versus Gore. So I was one of the lawyers who represented George W. Bush and Bush versus Gore. There's a chapter in, in my book, One Vote Away, that talks about Bush versus Gore and, and, and elections. And by the way, it was Al Gore who challenged the outcome of that election. It was Al Gore who yep. filed litigation. Yep. And, and, and it took 36 days of chaos. It went to the Supreme Court mm -hmm. twice. And ultimately, it was resolved. Bush. Yes. The, the ballots were counted four times. Bush won all four times. And mm -hmm. at the end of the process, there was a resolution. Yes. It's one of the many reasons why nine justices on the Supreme Court matters, because we need a resolution. And what my book does, I'd just like to say a second about it, if I could. I haven't stopped you. But, Keep talking, okay. brother. B before, before I was in the Senate, I, I was a Supreme Court litigator. Mm -hmm. That was my profession, was arguing cases at the Supreme Court. Each chapter in the book talks about a different constitutional right whether free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. And, and, and what I would say, look, I, I recognize a lot of your listeners are of a different political uh, affiliation than I am. And, yeah, and, but and I invited you we're anyway, a, we're a so big, please finish we're your a point. Big country. So, so my point is, if folks at home want to actually understand why so many millions of people are deeply concerned about protecting free speech and religious liberty and how those rights in the Second Amendment, how they hang in the balance, mm -hmm. What the book does is it tells the inside story of what's happening in the just, with the justices, what's happening with the courts, what's happening with the landmark cases on those rights, many of which 
I help litigate. And, and, and I do think on Bush versus Gore, for example, we could easily find ourselves in November and December and January in the midst of nationwide litigation. It could mm -hmm. be brought by Joe Biden or it could be brought by Republicans. Either side could bring litigation. Uh, and, and I would encourage folks, if, if you want to understand the issues more, even if you don't necessarily agree with me, I, I think the book is a helpful tool to understanding these issues and what's really going on Good. at the court. And um, I hope and, you stand and by what you, you said about the peaceful transfer of power. I hope if you uh, can and, and see you know that what? there's an I, obvious I hope, political play, I hope you speak up, Senator, because that's so, why you're so, and, I, and I hope Joe Biden does, too. If Joe Biden loses, I, I, I hope that he said he'll accept the results. Well. If he doesn't, then he's a liar and he's got to be called out as the such. Unless they can bring up a material issue on either side, then obviously you've got to have the system be put to work. But that's not what we're talking about, at least not yet. Senator Ted Cruz, appreciate you finally taking the invitation. <laughs> Good luck with the book. The book is one vote away. All right, we'll be right back. Why is it important to have the taxes? Because you want to see where money is owed and where, to whom. What would it mean for the president? Is there a potential conflict? Those are all legitimate questions. They're not political. And the fact that it's not law, that everybody who wants to lead us doesn't have to put that information out, is ridiculous. So let's talk to somebody who can understand how these kinds of concerns translate into larger concerns about the safety and integrity of our democracy. OK, Andrew Weissman, lead prosecutor in the Mueller special counsel's office. He is now the author of a book called Where Law Ends Inside the Mueller Investigation. Mr. Weissman, counselor. Thank you for joining us. Nice to be here. Um, so what concerns you in all of this talk about uh, the president's finances and now his discussions about how the election's not going to be legitimate? In your expertise, what raised legitimate issues? So let me just focus on the finances, since that that's an area where I'm I have some expertise on on the issue. The political issue is one where I leave to you and to Senator Cruz to discuss. Um, with you think to that guy's going to talk about anything about this president? I don't know what he has on him, but, you know, no he's going to stay quiet. Go ahead. So on the finances. Um, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Assuming the New York Times reporting is correct and you have $420 million in debt, um, that is a counterintelligence issue. What you really need to know is who has that debt. You want to know who has leverage on somebody, $420 million, why somebody might uh, be able to control that person. You want to know whether policy is being set in a way that's influenced um, by that. Um, there also were some other issues. There was information in the New York Times about a Russian oligarch named Agalarov. And you may recall that that same Russian oligarch was um, this the person who put together the Trump Tower meeting in June mm -hmm. of 2016, saying that Russia has dirt that they want to offer to uh, the Trump campaign against Hillary Clinton. So um, you want to know more about that relationship, why it is that the Aguilarovs apparently, according to the New York Times, put up all the money for Miss Universe, um, but made no money. Um, according to the New York Times, there was no money made by the people who advanced the money, but the president, then a civilian, made $2 million. So those are all areas that I would want to explore. So you would want to explore, but... The question becomes, we were in the business of exploring. Why didn't you guys pull the taxes? Why didn't you go down these roads? Excellent question. 
So one of the unique aspects of spending 22 months investigating the president of the United States is that it is extremely unusual that the person that you are investigating has the power to fire you, um, to pull the plug. Um, and one of the things I recount in the book is that when we issued a grand jury subpoena with respect to Deutsche Bank, and we were looking at Paul Manafort's finances, in other words, we were following the money there, the White House called up irate, saying, are you looking at the president's finances? As you recall, publicly it had been said, that's a red line. And a decision was made by Robert Mueller at that time. And frankly, I supported it because this is a hard call. What do you do when um, you're deciding at the outset of investigation, do you risk being fired or do you go forward um, with the investigation? And if you look at what we did, the agents and analysts and prosecutors put together an amazing um, set of cases. They figured out Russian interference in the election. They figured out the Russian hacking of the DNC. We figured out the sharing of polling data by Paul Manafort with a Russian operative. My issue, um, and the one that I sort of respectfully dissent, is that I thought that that decision to not look at finances early on needed to be revisited. Um, the information that the New York Times apparently has uncovered and the open questions that we have relating to um, the data that the New York right. Times has is ones that we should have looked at. Bob Mueller says uh, people disagreed in the office, but he doesn't think you have all the facts. When important decisions had to be made, I made them. I did so as I've always done without any interest incurring favor or fear of the consequences. I stand by those decisions. Um, it's based on incomplete information. Do you have incomplete information? Is there something else you could have known that would change your opinion? Well, absolutely. I, I'm certainly not uh, professing to know every single thing. I, certainly, I think I have a lot of information about the particular investigation I spearheaded, but I wasn't in on every in every single decision and every single discussion. So if there's Do you think it was a political decision from the DOJ to not let you look at legitimate questions of fact and law regarding the president's finances and associations? Um, I wouldn't say it's a political decision. It was the White House wanted to know whether we were looking at the president's finances. Um, they had publicly said that was a red line. And so the concern was, are we going to be fired if we look at that? And as I said, I think early in the investigation, that's a really difficult balancing to figure out what to do. But I think as we started proving a whole bunch of things and the investigation progressed, I thought we should have revisited that. And you know, the way I phrased it in my book is at some point you decide, you know, we have to do our job. And if we get fired, we get fired. And you just live with those consequences. Boy, that is really the, the, the book is an interesting read. I'd love to have you back because there's going to be more application of what's in it as we go along. Andrew Weissman, thank you for taking this opportunity. The book is called Thanks for Where me. Law Ends. We'll be right back. I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. You want to call him? What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacist and right like me to condemn? White supremacist and right proud boys. boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. Wow, a damning condemnation by the president of white nationalists and the Proud Boys. Not. How do we know? Boy, do the far right groups like the Proud Boys love what he said. Our next guest would know. Her name is Samantha. She's a former member of the alt-right group Evropa. Did I say that right? 
Samantha, did I say that right? Uh, um, it's Identity Europa. Identity Europa. Thank you. She left after Heather Heyer was killed in Charlottesville. Thank you for taking the opportunity to come on. I know this is not easy, but it really is important. What do people need to understand about how what looked like a half step by the president last night translated to a huge step forward for groups like the Proud Boys? Um, I think I think for the far right, especially in terms of white supremacy or groups like the Proud Boys, um, without direct condemnation or disavowal of this movement, of this ideology, they have tacit approval. They feel invigorated. They're already making merchandise for it. They're already making large, loud, grandiose statements, excited for whatever the next move um, might be called for them. And what does it mean to those kinds of groups and the people in them to hear themselves equated uh, with movements like anti-fascism or movements like uh, systemic equality, Black Lives Matter, uh, that banner? What does it mean to them to be kind of put on even footing? Um, I think for them, it is also um, an empowering situation. They feel that they are equal to, they feel that they are also a civil rights group um, as opposed to just violent ideology. Mm. And what does giving them confidence potentially translate into? I mean, the entire point of these movements, whether they start online, in person, whatever, the entire goal through all of it is to lead to violent action. Um, so to have an administration not condemn it, to have anyone not clearly state that this is a bad idea, um, they're winning in their minds. This is just another step forward for them in terms of becoming mainstream, in terms of becoming um, a household name. Um, people are now looking up the Proud Boys and some people might actually get lost in their rhetoric. What did it mean uh, to you and members of your group when the president said, Good people on both sides. Uh, it was this, it, it was a celebratory moment. Um, they took it as a win. It was taken as, again, a step forward. It was taken as you know a reason to beat your chest and to feel good about being a white supremacist. So, what changed for you? How did you go from uh, harnessing hate to wanting to reject it? Um, I think it was a few things, but I mean, mainly it was it was the death of Heather Heyer. It was starting to pull the strings of what this ideology actually meant, looking at the slogans and the people that said them, um, just thinking critically about the movement, really, things started to happen and more violence started to occur. And when you join the movement, at least for someone like myself, I convinced myself that it was just a white civil rights organization, and I was able to ignore so many other things for an amount of time. Um, but once the Unite the Right rally happened, once more people started dying, once the mass shootings started, um, or at least being tied to the alt-right, being tied to the far right, you, you can't ignore what is really going on. Um, it's terrifying. And I, I could not be a part of that. Well, I'm glad you came to that decision for your own life. You got more of it in front of you than behind you. So good luck with everything. And I wish the president had the same clarity that you do. Samantha, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll be thank right you. back. One of the tough questions we're struggling with is why do so many in this president's party stand by him when he says things they would condemn in anyone else, that they would never say themselves, even as he tries to undermine the legitimacy of our election? 
why don't they all say, Mr. President, denounce the Proud Boys and do it now? Let's ask a man with a reputation for great smarts and at one time great truth about Trump. Republican Senator Ted Cruz, Texas, out with a new book, One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. Senator Cruz, welcome. I finally got a way for you to talk to me instead of tweeting about me. Give you a chance to sell your book. Welcome. Well, Chris, good evening. Good to be with you. The book, The Central Thought, One Vote, One Seat, One Judge, can make a big difference. So can one voice speaking truth to power, especially when it resonates like your own. Will you be that voice? Will you say playing nice with the Proud Boys is wrong? Well, listen, I've condemned the Proud Boys long ago. I think white supremacists, Klansmen, Nazis are ignorant, bigoted morons. Um, I also think that, that, that the American people care about the Constitution and Bill of Rights. They care about the Supreme Court. It was a big reason the president was elected. Mm. It was a big reason we have a Republican majority. And, and I think this vacancy on the court, it's the reason I wrote this book that was released just this week, because it focuses on the, the rights that, 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 that are precious to so many of us, free speech, religious liberty, right. the Second Amendment, and, and, and how, how all of them re- really hang in the balance at the court. And I think that issue matters enormously. And, and, and for me, it's the most compelling issue. Absolutely. Now, I will exercise my right Uh, and say, was the president wrong to go soft on the Proud Boys in the debate last night? Oh, look, I I, I wish he had been much clearer in his denunciation. I was glad today that he he walked that back. No, he didn't. Look, I'm I'm glad that he sought to walk it back. I'm glad his campaign sought to walk it back. But but let me be clear also, the the press is completely hypocritical on this issue. Really? Um, the, 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 The press is partisan in this regard. So, 10 years ago, Mm. 2010, Joe Biden gave a eulogy for Robert Byrd, who was Mm -hmm. a crayon cyclops of the KKK. That's 10 years ago. You're really going to go with that? Oh, yeah. I know you're a master debater, and uh, Professor Dershowitz tells me you were the smartest student he ever had at Harvard Law. You're going to go with that weak-ass argument here? Byrd, who had a complete enlightenment about how hate was wrong, who changed his life, who spoke about it, Chris, who changed Chris, have his you ever ways. eulogized a Klansman? I have I'll, I'll give you another listen. example. No, 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 hold on. About, right, That's your hold, example. Hold on. That's your example. You're going to no, use no, that. No, I'll give you another one. Gonna, I, well, I give you a on. lot of examples. But hold on, because I don't want you to run away from the premise, Senator. I'm not you, but I'm not a fool either. He did it in Charlottesville. He did it with David Duke, the old Ted Cruz, who he called Lion Ted when he wasn't insulting your wife and your father, tweeted, hey, you're better than this, Mr. President. What happened to that, Ted? I don't know if he changed or did just you change for some reason, Senator. <laughs> Chris, you know, you know I'm, I'm glad you, you, you take tips uh, on, on insults from, from, from other folks. Really? Look, Am I insulting oh, you, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, so? oh, yeah, you are. And, you, and, so? and you're enjoying it. That's, that's I am fine. not enjoying you know, it you know, at all. Chris, I'm not enjoying Chris, anything about this except having an opportunity for you to say the right thing at the right time. Chris, there was a time when CNN actually cared about being journalistic and talking about oh. facts. Donald Trump broke you guys. I mean, you're just really? y- your entire show, your entire network now is just how much you hate Trump. And, and really? y- you know what? I-, I think a lot of people like are interested in, you know, you said in your opening, it was very interesting. You said the, the president didn't say anything positive about the country. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought the most important moment in the debate last night was when the president made very clear that, that, that Joe Biden's policy agenda is shutting down the country, shutting down small businesses and shutting down schools. 
And our priority needs to be opening up the economy, bringing jobs back, getting kids back in school. And that's a very different policy agenda. We have had an enormous economic impact from this pandemic. We need to restart the economy. And I think the president and, and Joe Biden have very different visions. Joe Biden's policies, I think, don't work and hurt a whole lot of people. And when I'm back in Texas, people in Texas don't understand why the press is just like the only thing you talk about is how much you hate the president. Ted, I get th Ted, the president's Senator, not your friend. When you Fine. were on the campaign, do you want me to read through some of the things you said about Donald Trump? You want to talk about somebody who had a chance to talk about policy, but just stuck with a person? Nobody did it more than you did. That's why he gave you the nickname he did and beat you down with it. The idea that you're going to put that on the media. My brother, you are the guy who went on Twitter talking about my naked ass, but you won't tell him when he's being an ass. So why would you put it on me? Chris, I, fine. You hate the president. I, I do not you, hate you, the you president. We, you are too smart to say something that Chris, stupid. Chris, I respect we, him we, as president. We, I want better for this country. And frankly, I want you to speak to that as well. You can't right, say Chris, that they have a policy difference Chris, over closing please, please down the country. Please don't interrupt every sentence. The president you're, you're behaving. I, you know, I, I get that you want to interrupt every sentence, but 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 you're behaving like you were one of the debaters last night. It, it, we can have a respectful conversation and, and speak speak to each other civilly. Senator, or just yell at me. How many times have I yeah. invited you on the show? Um, well, I remember one time you you tweeted out, "Cruz is dodging 20 my times. show." Literally while I was on Fox, is I that, was on Fox and yeah. Friends. You had invited me. Yeah. You attacked me, and by the way, I did a 15 minute interview with CNN. That I didn't day attack that CNN you. Didn't I end. asked you to come on the show. And you Chris, said, I just did Chris, one with Chris, CNN. Every Chris, show you, you, is you different. You literally put me on the screen and said, Ted is afraid to come on. And you invited me while I was on Fox. I mean, it was, I, look. 20 let's times I've invited you. Let's actually talk about substance. 20 I, I times. Think your list, Chris. You're here right I, now because I want right to give now. you a chance to speak. Chris, I'm, I'm here right now. So let's actually talk about Good. substance. Good. Why do I care? And let's. Let's because last about... night you say the most important thing was when he talked about the timing of who shut down the economy uh, and when, which was no, always not his, the timing, which was his what choice. What the solution is right now, 51 million Americans have lost their job. Right. They want to go back to work. Small right. businesses want to open up. Restaurants yes. want to open up. They should. Movie theaters want to open they up. They should. People want to be able to provide for their families. They should. Moms want their kids to go back to school. Yes. And, dads and Joe too. Biden and the Democrats too, are you know, responsible care about for the shutdowns. Not just moms. Dads care too. And you know that, why absolutely. it can't happen? And you know why it was wrong for him to tell your governor he was doing the right thing when he wasn't? And he had to learn the hard way. Same in Georgia. Same in Florida. Testing, Ted. Testing. Uh, look, testing, I, Ted. I am a huge proponent of testing. But the of federal testing, government but, has but not be been, there, and the president clear. has slow walked I, I, I it, get, sir. Go ahead. Chris, I get that your show wants to attack Texas and Florida and Georgia because they have Republican governors. We have also had much, much lower death rates than many other parts of the country. And, and... And, and, and it's, it's political, the attacks you're making. I, I think what we should be focused on, yes, testing. I'm a big proponent of testing. We need to do more testing. Right, why don't but we? But we need people to go back to work. Why don't we? And, and why don't we do the testing so people can go back to work? Why don't we do the testing so kids can go to school? Well, I'll tell you, I've introduced actually legislation that, uh, in, the, in the Senate to create a tax credit for employers to test their employees what happened on a it? weekly basis. Why haven't you guys voted on it? Uh, well, the Democrats are blocking voting on everything. They've filibustered legislation multiple times. I, I don't think either Pelosi or Schumer actually want anything to pass. Mm. Are they, did they read Green Eggs and Ham? Uh, by the way, have uh, they tried that one yet or no? They're saving that for you. 
<laughs> yeah, Chris, right? Do, do, do you actually want to talk substance? Or, <laughs> we or are talking insult? substance. I just like to call out the hypocrisy when it's there because uh, the I, audience heads stay on straight that way. Because they're not I, like, I, wait, I, this is the green eggs and ham guy. Is he talking about filibustering? You know, that's what this show is. <laughs> but I have to tell you, to cheapen it by saying, mm. I want to take political shots about COVID. You know I had it. You know my wife had it. You know my kid had it. You know I network with people all over this country who are still suffering with it. You know I hate that kids aren't in school. Or your staff should have told you. I talk about it every night. It couldn't be less political for me. I don't want people to get sick. And if they tested more, Ted, they'd be better. And let me say something. There is something disgusting that Democrats are doing, that Joe Biden does, and that you do, which is you try to blame the, the, the people who've lost their lives mm. on your political enemies. And, and, and that's just no. not right. It, it, it's, no. it's not right I'm at all. I'm saying that when you hear, hear 200,000 right people die, you don't say it is what it is. I'm saying that when, but, but you know when what? you could it's have slowed it down not and you right, didn't, Chris, you when your it. brother has presided over the state mm-hmm. with the highest death rate in the country. Mm-hmm. And, New York's and, and I'm not, and I'm stand not, for itself. I know your brother didn't want those oh, people yeah. to lose their lives, but you oh. shouldn't oh, play well, politics good. with so the So you attack. don't think he intentionally killed them? That's good. No, that's no, very of charitable course of you, not. Ted. Of course not. But I do think we can have a very reasonable policy discussion about the policy mistakes in New York and New Jersey of sending COVID positive patients into nursing homes. Mm. I think that was a that very serious all over the policy country, mistake. Right? That wasn't uh, no, the most vulnerable population. It's one of the reasons why you're, the death rate in New York is four times the death rate in Texas. Texas. the place where the governor was, said that you didn't need to test and you didn't need masks, right? Okay, and the president th- th- gave him a pat just, on the head. That's just a complete fabrication. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we test a lot. I've uh-huh. been tested The, 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 the same governor times. who said we didn't need to shut down, go out, and that, then he had to turn around and do it differently because cases popped all over the place. That guy? Is that what Chris, you're talking about? Was it a mistake, or is that too political? Was it a mistake when your brother implemented a policy that nursing homes had to accept COVID positive patients and endangered the lives of my tens brother of was the first one to say that there a was a learning curve and that mistakes were made and they changed things as soon as they could. Well, but then now, don't look, be a hypocrite I could write about that it. Off then, then, as then, a political then don't ta- claim, attack, right? And, and, I could ask and you. I'm, I could ask look, you questions look, about only things that have to do with your family, but I'm not going to do that because the general Chris, propositions Chris, matter more. Chris, I'm actually more. talking about public policy that was a serious mistake. And, but but and testing is not is public pandemic. policy? Testing is Chris, not public please, policy. I'm not interrupting you. Let me actually get a sentence without interrupting I think me. you've gotten many, sir. I'll show you the tabulation of who spoke and how much I, in the segment later. Go ahead. Chris. Yes, sir. This pandemic has been an enormous challenge mm. across the country. I, I think... Democrats and Republicans are trying in good faith to keep people safe. But I think we can also have reasonable policy discussions about what works, A, to keep people safe, but B, to get people back to work. And I think people want to go back to work. You know, this week, Disney announced 28,000 layoffs. Now, Disney is not American a right-wing Airlines? Com- company. They're, they're a very liberal Airlines company. But what's interesting about Disney, what is interesting about Disney mm-hmm. is they're doing the layoffs in California because California shut down the theme park. They're not doing the lay- layoffs in Florida because Florida opened Disney World. I mean, it, it's a clear contrast where Democratic politicians so in California that, have shut so, it down so and they've cost people, the people, people their they're jobs. out of business and not the place that they're in business. And you're saying that's political. No, I'm saying the oh, policies of Democrats to shut the economy down are bad co- policies that hurt people's lives. What do you and do the when people are getting are the sick? Result. What do you do when people are getting sick, Senator? And you can't well, test you them. You don't send them. And into they don't wear homes. masks. And you tell you them not to. You don't send them into nursing homes. Oh, so so the nursing homes was the sum total of the entire problem in the country. 
That's what well, it was. It, it, it led Seven to New York cases. having 33,000 deaths compared to Texas having 15,000 deaths. And Texas has 50% more population than New York does. And what about all the cases that they had? And how so many people got be, sick by the be, refusal to shut down businesses? You say you, know you want to open them up, but you won't discuss how. You say you introduced objective. a bill, but you won't talk about the president and his failure. The testing has to be done at the federal level, Ted. You know this. Well, you understand I, a little bit about state economics. You know the governor can't do it himself, right? Well, actually, governors have taken the lead and have had gr much greater success. Texas' record on every They've level is much, to. much better than New York and New Jersey and That's Massachusetts not true. Look at New and York's Pennsylvania. Numbers. Look at the rate every day of testing. My brother puts it out every day. They were the hub of where people were coming. You guys want to celebrate China. You let in 40,000 people. It had already moved to so, Europe. So, so Chris, you let in tens of thousands of people. They went you? to the hubs. That's why we got so sick. Does it trouble you at all that New York and New Jersey had the highest death rates in the of country? Course. Does that does that make you pause it and all say, troubles "Gosh, me, Ted"? And to watch but, but, guys but, like you stand by but, and Chris, stroke your beard you like think, a wise man instead of telling Chris, the president to get on it when you Chris, have power. How about tell your brother problem. to get on it? My brother will stand for his own record. Why don't you talk to the president the way you talk to my brother, Ted? You afraid of him? You think he'll smack you down at home? Is that what it is? Like he shut you up in the primary? You guys are really tough. I'm talking about the president. My brother's not the president. I'm talking about the president, the one who called you a liar, the one who said your wife was ugly. That guy, you know, the guy now who you won't say anything about. I recognize that you like, you actually wonder why you don't have a lot of Republicans that want to come on your show. I have you more than any other show. And yell at me and insult I'm not, insult I'm me. not yelling at you. And, and I'm raising fine. my voice to match your own because you, you, you want to play games, at me Ted, and, and me. people that's are okay. dying. That, 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 that's okay, Chris. I, you're perfectly fine to scream and yell because you know what? Oh, but you don't. You're doing it because you don't want to discuss the substance. Like, I had you I, on You invited to me on the show things. to actually talk about the Supreme Court and talk about the book One Vote Away, and, and instead you just want to repeat insults over and over and over again. Oh, but like, you're not. Actually talk about you just bring up my for brother for half the interview because you're such a fair guy. Well, you play no, it so you, straight you, down you, the middle. You were, right? you were just playing in a biased way, attacking Because the president's Texas, not Florida, at the top Georgia, of the food chain. Coincidentally, happen to be Republican states when, when the death rates, they are markedly worse. And we should ask, when the death rates are markedly worse, worse in some states than others, we should ask a reasonable question. Yeah. Why didn't the president help sooner? Were the That's the question. That why didn't the that? president and, help sooner? And, and, why didn't and he help the, way, the places ask, that got right, hit hardest first? You want to talk about the president specifically? When they were all talk about democratic. The president specifically? Was it the right decision or the wrong decision when the president halted air travel into and out of China? Right, right decision. And, should have done right it sooner decision, even and should have not let 40,000 people repatriate. Next question. Okay. Okay. So I agree with you on that. I called for him to do it the day Next before question. he did it, but Joe Biden denounced it as no, he racist didn't. and xenophobic. No, yes, he, didn't. he did. No, he didn't. And Nancy Pelosi I'll bet you, I'll bet you brought dinner. up a, a vote I'll bet in you the dinner, House Biden didn't denounce for it. Democrats to, to stop the ban. Not I'll a, bet you dinner that Biden didn't say that. You were right about Pelosi, he, he, he and it was a bad did. move. You're wrong. He, he You're right about did, Pelosi, and, 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 and it was and a by bad the way, move. And, and, and by, by the way, Chris, you know, your colleagues at CNN, this mm -hmm. is sort of the, the, the talking point. I, I, I mm -hmm. with, with Jake Tapper, actually read the Biden tweet to him. I don't have it in front of me right now, but, but 
he denounced it as racist and xenophobic. The New York Times, who you just had Tom Friedman on, had multiple articles saying, saying it was a mistake. It was terrible to halt air travel into and out of China. Well, you heard what I just said, I can right? tell you, I chaired a hearing in the you Senate hear what I just said? where the expert, te- so you said, that I agree with you now, yeah, but you know what? Now, the Democratic I've only said Party this. didn't say it then. I'm not the part of the party. Democratic Party denounced it Let me ask you one other then. thing while I have you that I think is almost as important as what you say about when we're shutting down and when we didn't, because that's in the past. What the president said about the election, Senator, seriously now, I'm happy to joust, uh, but not when it's existential, okay? Uh, That's why I come at you about the pandemic, because for me, I don't play politics with it. I'm a little insulted by that, but I'll make it. You don't play politics. You just only attack Republicans over it, but you're not playing politics. I have Republicans on all the time who are willing to come back all the time. You attack Texas, Florida, and Georgia. No. Is there anything similar about those states? Please, Senator, you sound silly. I talk about people and how they're struck in those states all the time. I care about them and I want them to be better and I don't want them to be sick you, you and go through what I did. So you, that's you, you why. Want them I do it with Democrats, Democrats too. I do no, it with no, them too. No, Anybody no, look, who's look, not you, doing the right thing when it comes you, to, you, I talk about the, you, the kids in class as a national problem. But let me ask you this. The president has been hinting very strongly that if the election doesn't go his way, it will have to have been fraudulent. And you just heard Tom Friedman and his concerns if your state and the other states certified their results, as they always do, and say, no, this is it, our count's legit. We'll check as the law allows, but it's legit. And the president says, no, not good enough for me. I don't want a transfer of power. What would you do? So that's not gonna happen. There's gonna be a peaceful transfer of power. But, but let me say something. I wish that the two political sides actually had conversations where we listened to each other. I have to admit, it, it was surreal listening to you and Todd Friedman talking about what, what you think Trump is going to do on the election, because from my perspective, I, I think it's projection. I think the one that is going to challenge the election in all likelihood is Joe Biden. Biden Hillary said last Clinton night told, he'd accept the results. But, but Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden, under no circumstances should you concede defeat. And, and not only that, you know, said. it's interesting, Tom Friedman talked about Bush versus Gore. So I was one of the lawyers who represented George W. Bush I and remember. Bush versus Gore. There's a chapter in, in my book, One Vote Away, that talks about Bush versus Gore and, and, and elections. And by the way, it was Al Gore who challenged the outcome of that election. It was Al Gore who yep. filed litigation. Yep. And, and, and it took 36 days of chaos. It went to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. twice. And ultimately, it was resolved. Bush. Yes. The, the ballots were counted four times. Bush won all four times. And mm-hmm. at the end of the process, there was a resolution. Yes. It's one of the many reasons why nine justices on the Supreme Court matters, because we need a resolution. And what my book does, I'd just like to say a second about it, if I could. I haven't stopped you. But, Keep talking, okay. brother. B- before, before I was in the Senate, I, I was a Supreme Court litigator. That mm-hmm. was my profession, was arguing cases at the Supreme Court. Each chapter in the book talks about a different constitutional right whether free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. And, and, and what I would say, look, I, I recognize a lot of your listeners are of a different political uh, affiliation than I am. And, yeah, and, but and I invited you we're anyway, a, we're a so big, please finish we're your a point. We're a big country. So, so my point is, if folks at home want to actually understand why so many millions of people are deeply concerned about protecting free speech and religious liberty and how those rights in the Second Amendment, how they hang in the balance, mm-hmm. What the book does is it tells the inside story of what's happening in the just, with the justices, what's happening with the courts, what's happening with the landmark cases on those rights, many of which I help litigate. And, and, and I do think on Bush versus Gore, for example, we could easily find ourselves in November and December and January 
in the midst of nationwide litigation. It could mm -hmm. be brought by Joe Biden or it could be brought by Republicans. Either side could bring litigation. Uh, and, and I would encourage folks, if, if you want to understand the issues more, even if you don't necessarily agree with me, I, I think the book is a helpful tool to understanding these issues and what's really going on Good. at the court. And um, I hope and, you stand and by what you, that, you said about the peaceful transfer of power. I hope if you uh, can and see you know that what? there's an I, obvious I hope, political play, I hope you speak up, Senator, because that's so, why you're so, and, I, and I hope Joe Biden does, too. If Joe Biden loses, I, I, I hope that he said he'll accept the results. Well. If he doesn't, then he's a liar and he's got to be called out as the such. Unless they can bring up a material issue on either side, then obviously you've got to have the system be put to work. But that's not what we're talking about, at least not yet. Senator Ted Cruz, appreciate you finally taking the invitation. <laughs> Good luck with the book. The book is one vote away. All right, we'll be right back. Why is it important to have the taxes? Because you want to see where money is owed and more to whom. What would it mean for the president? Is there a potential conflict? Those are all legitimate questions. They're not political. And the fact that it's not law, that everybody who wants to lead us doesn't have to put that information out, is ridiculous. So let's talk to somebody who can understand how these kinds of concerns translate into larger concerns about the safety and integrity of our democracy, okay? Andrew Weissman, lead prosecutor in the Mueller special counsel's office. He is now the author of a book called Where Law Ends, Inside the Mueller Investigation. Mr. Weissman, counselor, thank you for joining us. Nice to be here. Um, so what concerns you in all of this talk about uh, the president's finances and now his discussions about how the election's not going to be legitimate? In your expertise, what raised legitimate issues? So let me just focus on the finances, since that that's an area where I'm, I have some expertise on on the issue. The political issue is one where I leave to you and to Senator Cruz to discuss um, with you think that guy's going to talk about anything about this president? I don't know what he has on him, but, you know, no he's going to stay quiet. Go ahead. So on the finances, um, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Assuming the New York Times reporting is correct and you have $420 million in debt, um, that is a counterintelligence issue. What you really need to know is who has that debt. You want to know who has leverage on somebody $420 million, why somebody might uh, be able to control that person. You want to know whether policy is being set in a way that's influenced um, by that. Um, there also were some other issues. There was information in the New York Times about a Russian oligarch named Agalarov. And you may recall that that same Russian oligarch was um, this the person who put together the Trump Tower meeting in June mm -hmm. of 2016, saying that Russia has dirt that they want to offer to uh, the Trump campaign against Hillary Clinton. So um, you want to know more about that relationship, why it is that the Agalarovs apparently, according to The New York Times, put up all the money for Miss Universe um, but made no money. Um, according to the New York Times, there was no money made by the people who advanced the money, but the president, then a civilian, made $2 million. So those are all areas that I would want to explore. So you would want to explore, but the question becomes, you were in the business of exploring. Why didn't you guys pull the taxes? Why didn't you go down these roads? Excellent question. So one of the unique aspects of spending 22 months investigating the president of the United States is 
that it is extremely unusual that the person that you are investigating has the power to fire you, um, to pull the plug. Um, and one of the things I recount in the book is that when we issued a grand jury subpoena with respect to Deutsche Bank, and we were looking at Paul Manafort's finances, in other words, we were following the money there, the White House called up irate, saying, are you looking at the president's finances? As you recall, publicly, it had been said, that's a red line. And a decision was made by Robert Mueller at that time. And frankly, I supported it because this is a hard call. What do you do when um, you're deciding at the outset of investigation, do you risk being fired or do you go forward um, with the investigation? And if you look at what we did, the agents and analysts and prosecutors put together an amazing um, set of cases. They figured out Russian interference in the election. They figured out the Russian hacking of the DNC. We figured out the sharing of polling data by Paul Manafort with a Russian operative. My issue, um, and the one that I sort of respectfully dissent, is that I thought that that decision to not look at finances early on needed to be revisited. And the information that the New York Times apparently has uncovered and the open questions that we have relating to um, the data that the New York right. Times has is ones that we should have looked at. Bob Mueller says uh, people disagreed in the office, but he doesn't think you have all the facts. When important decisions had to be made, I made them. I did so as I've always done without any interest incurring favor or fear of the consequences. I stand by those decisions. Um, it's based on incomplete information. Do you have incomplete information? Is there something else you could have known that would change your opinion? Well, absolutely. I, I'm certainly not uh, professing to know every single thing. I, I think I have a lot of information about the particular investigation I spearheaded, but I wasn't in on every in every single decision and every single discussion. So if there's Do you think it was a political decision from the DOJ to not let you look at legitimate questions of fact and law regarding the president's finances and associations? Um, I wouldn't say it's a political decision. It was the White House wanted to know whether we were looking at the president's finances. Um, they had publicly said that was a red line. And so the concern was, are we going to be fired if we look at that? And as I said, I think early in the investigation, that's a really difficult balancing to figure out what to do. But I think as we started proving a whole bunch of things and the investigation progressed, I thought we should have revisited that. And you know, the way I phrased it in my book is at some point you decide, you know, we have to do our job. And if we get fired, we get fired. And you just live with those consequences. Boy, that is really the, the, the book is an interesting read. I'd love to have you back because there's going to be more application of what's in it as we go along. Andrew Weissman, thank you for taking this opportunity. The book is called Thanks for Where me. Law Ends. We'll be right back. I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. You want to call him? What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacist and right like me to condemn? White proud supremacists and right proud, proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. Wow. A damning condemnation by the president of white nationalists and the Proud Boys. Not. How do we know? Boy, do the far-right groups like the Proud Boys love what he said. Our next guest would know. Her name is Samantha. She's a former member of the alt-right group Evropa. Did I say that right? Samantha, did I say that right? Uh, I, um, it's Identity Europa. Identity Europa. Thank you. She left after Heather Heyer 
was killed in Charlottesville. Thank you for taking the opportunity to come on. I know this is not easy, but it really is important. What do people need to understand about how what looked like a half step by the president last night translated to a huge step forward for groups like the Proud Boys? Um, I think I think for the far right, especially in terms of white supremacy or groups like the Proud Boys, um, without direct condemnation or disavowal of this movement, of this ideology, they have tacit approval. They feel invigorated. They're already making merchandise for it. They're already making large, loud, grandiose statements, excited for whatever the next move um, might be called for them. And what does it mean to those kinds of groups and the people in them to hear themselves equated uh, with movements like anti-fascism or movements like uh, systemic equality, Black Lives Matter, uh, that banner? What does it mean to them to be kind of put on even footing? Um, I think for them, it is also um, an empowering situation. They feel that they are equal to, they feel that they are also a civil rights group um, as opposed to just violent ideology. Mm. And what does giving them confidence potentially translate into? I mean, the entire point of these movements, whether they start online, in person, whatever, the entire goal through all of it is to lead to violent action. Um, so to have an administration not condemn it, to have anyone not clearly state that this is a bad idea, um, they're winning in their minds. This is just another step forward for them in terms of becoming mainstream, in terms of becoming um, a household name. Um, people are now looking up the Proud Boys, and some people might actually get lost in their rhetoric. What did it mean uh, to you and members of your group when the president said, good people on both sides? Uh, it, was this, it, it was a celebratory moment. Um, they took it as a win. It was taken as, again, a step forward. It was taken as, you know, a reason to beat your chest and to feel good about being a white supremacist. So what changed for you? How did you go from uh, harnessing hate to wanting to reject it? Um, I think it was a few things, but I mean, mainly it was, it was the death of Heather Heyer. It was starting to pull the strings of what this ideology actually meant, looking at the slogans and the people that said them, um, just thinking critically about the movement, really, things started to happen and more violence started to occur. And when you join the movement, at least for someone like myself, I convinced myself that it was just a white civil rights organization and I was able to ignore so many other things for an amount of time. Um, but once the Unite the Right rally happened, once more people started dying, once the mass shooting started, um, or at least being tied to the alt-right, being tied to the far right, you you can't ignore what is really going on. Um, it's terrifying. And I, I could not be a part of that. Well, I'm glad you came to that decision for your own life. You got more of it in front of you than behind you. So good luck with everything. And I wish the president had the same clarity that you do. Samantha, thank you. I appreciate We'll be Thank right you. back. <clears throat> Tough night. We're going to have a lot of them. It's time to hold people to account, to put them on the record about what matters and see where they are so you can remember. But we don't want to end on hate. We don't want things to be about animosity. Even Samantha coming out of it, even just talking about it. I want to cleanse the palate. No more word is more discussed, written about, thought about, or misunderstood. 
Everyone seeks it, and when it's found, it makes everything else seem no longer worth seeking. It costs nothing to give, and it can't be bought. It brings with it warm smiles, deep contentment, sometimes tears of joy, and even a sense of justification. Wise men analyze it, poets romanticize it, but no one improves upon it. Our word for it is love. Some of us believe it was personified nearly 2,000 years ago in a manger in a stable far from here. Some of us, um, others, see it embodied in other symbols and other events. Almost all of us celebrate festivals to it at this time of year. In doing so, we are reminded how good a whole year could be if only we were wiser. That is our wish for us during this time. From me. This was a poem my father wrote. May he rest in peace. The more we focus on love and being together and what matters to all of us, the better we'll be. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Those are words to live by. They that really is, are words to live by. That's what I he got, did. Oh, that's so, why he wrote them. So you know, um, this is how we do, me and you. So um, I thought you comported yourself well in, with the Ted Cruz interview. So I have a, I have a, um, a little list here that I want to read off. Okay, are you ready? Sure. Okay. So, number 10, keep in mind, Boston. Number nine, Chicago. Number eight is Washington. Number seven is Honolulu. Number six is Las Vegas. Number five is San Francisco. Number four is Orlando. Three, Los Angeles. Two, Miami. One, New York. What am I doing? What is that? Ranking casualties? Nope. Rankering people from the pandemics? No, it was this very simple answer to, the, to Ted Cruz's question. You did hit on it, but just to, to, to bring it home, because I don't know if people got it. Those are the list of the top 10 states. Cities. Cities, excuse me. Top, top 10 cities in this country for international travel. Right. Right. So, and New York outranks everyone. Yeah, that's why it got hit. It was but a hub. It, it got hit because New Jersey, you said it's a hub, but people don't understand that. He knows people it. Fly, I understand that, but I'm just trying to clarify because I was watching in the office and you guys were talking over each other. Um, we have myriad airports that are international, that people fly in from China, from Europe, from all over the world. We are the number one city. And when they come into New York City, what do they do? They fan out into New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and so on mm -hmm. and so forth, right? And so all of those people came here. That's how the virus got here. We know that. That's what the scientists say. It came in through the airport. Someone brought it in from China. Actually, the one that the strain that hit America came in from Europe. Right. You know what was not on that list? Austin. Right. Houston. Yeah, the places that Dallas. got hit hard there because of a lackadaisical attitude towards the urgency. Well, they weren't on that list because... How many international travelers fly into that city, those cities? Not very many. They're not in the top 10. Early They're on. not even in the, in the top 20. But they had I'm a just, chance to learn the lesson. I agree with you, but I'm just explaining. It's a very simple answer. Completely simple. That's it. I know. Because but this everyone isn't about wants to come to New York City from all over the world. This is not. You're, look, you're right. OK. Yes. And, I, and obviously, my my brother, the governor there was explaining that on a regular basis. There were still problems. He had to make adjustments. He had to make corrections. His record would stand for itself. Right. My point about Cruz is something happened to that guy because I, Donald Trump didn't change. He did. 
And he is symptomatic of something in that party. Clever as heck. Smart guy. Smart guy. Master debater. (laughs) That's what he's known as. But he can't beat what's obvious right in front of his face. Not even against a hack like me. Yeah. He won't call out this president in strong ways. You see him shaking his face? Well, I'm glad he walked it back today. No, he didn't. Well, no. And then he says, I'm being political. I'm not being political. I'm being practical. You have to call him out about that. Everything is political. That's also an excuse. You only attack the Republicans. About the pandemic? I politicized the pandemic? When people don't want to answer questions, that's what they say. But look, here's what I, why did I have him on? One, I've been inviting him on a long that, time. Because that's you. You like to do the, the testing. I, and you know we've talked about this. Right. I just, I don't like to waste my time. I like the view. I don't think I don't, it's a waste of time in this I country right now, yeah. pal. This well, country I mean, for is me, at odds I let with you, one another. I'll let you do that. For, for me, I feel it's Oh, yeah, look. We all have our different ways to achieve the same ends. What I'm saying is you want people to have information, see how power is responding to things, be able to count. Why do I interrupt? Because I learned in this business when I got into cable, too many of us let people flood the zone. Mm-hmm. in cable. They'll say two, three, four absurd things. And then you say, okay, I'll let you speak. Now you don't have time. You're not going to check all four. Yeah. You're going to check maybe two, which means two go through for free. Not yeah. on my watch. Well, I got to go, but, um, you know, the, the best way to do it is I just, I don't have to do it. I know, but I, I do. I, just don't. I must. I know it's in you. All right. Thank you. Uh, I hope you got some sleep because I got very little Chris I love you, Don Lemon. I had your words reverberate in my head all night long. <laughs> we, were, we were here till 3 a.m. and we'll do it as long as we have to. Thank you, brother. I love you too. I'll see you soon. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.